I'm going to do Nehemiah chapter 9 and chapter 10 uh, today. And as we are coming to the close now of the series, and uh, next week, uh, Pastor Joel and Pastor Jeffrey will be doing Nehemiah 12 and 13, because only 13 chapters. And then after that, we'll we go on to do Zechariah, because all of them are around the same time. Uh, let me begin uh, today's message entitled, From Revival to Reformation. How do I know that we are revived? Strangely, I was reading an article not, not too long ago on the seven deadly sins of preaching. Seven deadly sins. But I was very much impressed and drawn to the seventh deadly sin of preaching. And it is this. The writer says that it is a deadly sin for a preacher to preach revival without reformation. And he went on to elaborate that many preachers talk of revival, revival, revival without going further to explain to the congregation what are the tangible signs of revival. In other words, how do I know you are revived? It's a cliche, man. I'm revived, I'm revived, and that's it. And it goes according to our, our moods. There must be something in your life that tells me. In other words, reformation, transformation, if you like, must follow revival. So what are the signs? How do I know that I am revived? Nehemiah understood that. That's why after a revival of sorts, in chapter 8, and I just take a minute to revise chapter 8. In verse 1, after the wall was completed in 52 days, there was a revival of sorts because they gathered together by the water gate. And we read that they gathered, assembled together as one man. Whoa! Men, women, even children. In other words, it was generational. There was unity. And where there is unity, God commands His blessing. We know that, right? So there was revival. And they read the Word of God from 6 a.m. to 12 noon in the hot sun. They stood and they bowed down and they honoured the Word. There was weeping, confession of sins, and there was great joy. It was authentic. It was not fake. So great was the joy of victory. So great was the joy from the inside out. It was authentic that even after the Feast of Tabernacles, they continued. They continued to worship the Lord. They continued to, 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 to rejoice. And, they, and what happened was that at the dedication of the wall, I don't know how long after that, their rejoicing was so, so great that we read in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43, on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and women, women and children rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. In other words, they rejoiced. It was authentic. It was a, a celebration of victory. 
It was great. It was, it was so authentic that, that they went on for, for a long time to come. And then you say to me, Pastor, how come there's no prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in Nehemiah chapter 9, almost 80-90% of the entire chapter is devoted to prayer. There was prayer. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 9 contained the longest recorded prayer in the entire Bible. They prayed. And I won't, go, don't, I won't go into it in Nehemiah chapter 9 because they read the word, they, they repented still, and, and then they confessed their sins. And the whole prayer, I want to focus on chapter 10, you see, that the first two-thirds of that prayer was devoted to confessing Israel's sins from verse 9, 6 to verse 31. And then they went on in the second, the, the last third of that prayer, from verse 32 to verse 37, they confessed their individual sins. It was real. It was authentic. I, I just want to highlight only two key verses, one taken from the confession of individual sins and one taken from the confession of the nation's sins, just to highlight the two key verses in Nehemiah chapter 9. So in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 33, as they confess the individual sins, to me, this is the key verse. In all that has happened to us, they said to God, you have been just. Yes, Lord, yeah, the temple was destroyed. We were banished for 70 years in exile, and now we have returned. No, Lord, we don't blame you. It was my fault. It was us, Lord. Yes, we have done wrong. How authentic can you be? They came before God and said, Lord, we have done wrong. And then in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, as they now began to confess the nation's sins, this is the key verse, but you, Lord, are a forgiving God. Yes, Lord, we have done wrong, but you are so full of mercy, so full of compassion, so gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. What is that? The name of God. Exodus 34. This was how God wanted himself to be known. And they threw themselves, abandoned themselves, if you like, to the loving arms of God. Yes, Lord, we have sinned, but you are gracious, you are compassionate, you are kind, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in love. Lord, forgive. And I want to believe that God heard that prayer, forgave them their sins. Can I make an application here, if I may? You know, many of you, you know, over a thousand of you have signed a covenant form to fast and pray the 40 days. Now, it may not be the entire 40 days. Some of you did it for one week, maybe. Some of you, and we're entering our last week now. So those of you who have not started, you can still start. But I want to believe that because we took it very seriously, not because pastor wants you to do it or because any CF said so, because we really believe that during this period, we want to segregate, not segregate, consecrate our lives, separated unto God. I want to believe that something has happened in your life. 
something has happened in you. You're drawn closer to God. Somehow you're more sensitive to God. In fact, every night as we had that prayer altar, every night at 8.30, hundreds log into it. Most, if not all of the prayer altars, every night from 8.30 to 10, it's been so anointed. I don't know about you, but even as I log into it, I could feel the anointing even in my room. I want to believe that something has happened in your life, in our, in our families. Families came to pray. The last one we did on Friday, last Friday, was so good. Children prayed. Whoa! And you know that last week we had a children's prayer altar? Children prayed. In their innocence, they cry out to God. As families build spiritual walls around themselves, something has happened. I want to believe that there is a sense of a personal revival. You must want it. If you don't want it, well, well sorry, la. you must believe it. Understand? You must believe it that God wants the best for you and your family. But you must seek after him. But this is where my fear is. After we close our 40 days on the 15th of September, and I encourage you to come in, we're going to have a closing service live 8.30 on 15th September. We're going to do communion again. Is my fear. Then what? Then what? Can I encourage you? Continue. Don't stop. If God has burst something in your spirit, man, don't let it fizzle out. Continue to consecrate your life, your family, your business to God. And I want to believe that there are tangible signs of reformation. What will that be? Taking the cue from Nehemiah chapter 10 now, there are three tangible signs. Number one, there must be a new level of commitment to God. How do I know that we are revived? Something has happened in your spirit, man. Something has ignited inside of you, awakened inside of you. And I want to believe that you don't do it to impress me or to show off. No. It has to be authentic. There must be a new level of commitment now in your life, in your prayer life, in your reading of the Word, in your desire to draw close to God, to separate time, how busy you are for God. Don't stop. 
That's what happened. At the end of Nehemiah chapter 9, it says, in view of all of this, we are now making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. In other words, so serious were the children of Israel, and so authentic were they, that they now put in writing a written covenant which is binding to God that they will consecrate their lives to Him. What about you? What about me? Will we tell the Lord, Lord, yes, in the following weeks and months and years of my entire life, I want to do that, Lord. I want to do that. You know who, who, who signed? Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 1. The first person to put his signature there, they didn't have signature, they have seals, okay? They don't sign, they have seals. Was no other, none other than Nehemiah. Why? Because he was the leader, he was the governor. And I tell my pastors, you never, never tell people to do something that you yourself will not prepare to do. What for? Talk me, huh? Never tell your people to do something that you yourself are not prepared to do. Followed by 22 priests, 17 Levites, 44 heads of families, and all the names are there, written down. No mistake, you know. Binding agreement. And I love it. Heads of families are men. Fathers, mothers, do it for your family. And I applaud many of you, honestly. In this church, I've seen families who take this seriously. That whatever we preach from the pulpit, to build a spiritual wall around your family, you take it very seriously. I know, they may not see any results now, but even if you continue to do that, you... God, the process in heaven works, ma. Give God time. But you continue as the head of the house to pray for your parents, to pray for your children. Some of them are not here with you. Cover them in prayer. Head of the families. Covenant with God to commit yourself to draw closer to Him. Now I want to go back to the statement I just made. If you are observant enough, you will see something very unusual in that statement, and that is a deliberate part on me. Anybody spot it? comma. Why do I put a comma? Because as it stands, as I wrote this, I, I just couldn't put a full stop. The Spirit prompted me and says, it's incomplete. 
son is incomplete. I says, why, Lord? Why is it incomplete? Because if you look at the two things that they promised in verse 30 and verse 31 of Nehemiah 10, they covenanted to do two things. In verse 30, they promised that they will not allow their daughters to intermarry or even their sons to intermarry. And then in verse 31, they covenanted to consecrate the Sabbath day. And yet, I go a couple of chapters down the line, and when Nehemiah went back after 12 years to Susa to serve King Artaxerxes again, and later on came back to, to Jerusalem to see what has happened to the wall and to the people, probably maybe five years after he went back, and within five years, this is exactly what happened. When Nehemiah came back, in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23, he said, Moreover, when those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. What? You promised! So severe was the intermarriage that you read chapter 13. Even the children cannot speak Hebrew anymore. And they desecrated the Sabbath. Why? It was hot air. And this is a complete statement. You must have a new commitment to God over the long. If not, why bother? So I have seen people who say, I'm revived. And yet when storms come, when things didn't get in their way, they cave in. Don't do that, my friend. Don't do that. In Bahasa, they say, Tiada kemampanan. No stickability. No sustainability. No resilience. And that's exactly what happened to the two revivals that SIB experienced. The Barrio revival in the 1970s, the Bakalan revival in the 1980s, there was no follow-through. It fizzled out. Do you want that? So how do I know you're genuinely revived? How do I know there's a new level of commitment to God that stands the test of time? Not just a flash in the pan. The second tangible sign is found in again in, go back to chapter 10 of Nehemiah, verse 30 and 31. You notice that as they were revived and reformed, at least for that period of time, for maybe how many years, I don't know, 
what happened was that their entire lifestyle was transformed. There was a new, not only a new level of commitment to God, there was also a new lifestyle of priorities every day. In other words, it was not only spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. No, it permeated the homes and permeated their workplace. The way they transacted merchandising is there. It's different. There must be some kind of, of change in your life so that your colleagues, your business colleagues, your, uh, I don't know, those of you who are in school or in college, something must be changed. change inside you. You cannot be bad-tempered anymore. You cannot use foul language anymore. You cannot be the old you anymore. People must see something in you that's changed. And this is transmitted in your, the way you live, in your priorities. Let me say this, my friend. We must remember that when you and I give our life to Jesus, we surrender our rights and our ownership to the Lord. Our time, even our recreation, you know. How you use spare time? And the Lord prompted me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to verse 20. Read it with me, church. Will you do that? Read it with me. Those of you online as well, let's read it. This is the heart of God for you and for me as an authentic, tangible sign that we are well and truly transformed and not just fresh in the pen. Understand? Come on, read this with me. Are you ready? Those of you here and those of you online, let's read it together loud so that our neighbours can hear us. Amen? Are you ready? One, two, three. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, one more time. One, two, three. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God in your body, whether your home, your business, whatever that you do. Honour God. So how do I know I'm revived? There is a new level of commitment over the long haul to God. There is a new lifestyle of priorities every day as we live for Him. And the third tangible sign, there must be a new love for the house of God now. Do you know that if you look at Nehemiah chapter 10, from verse 32 to the end of the chapter, there were more verses assigned to this tangible sign than all the other two. The people, as they were revived, they made sure there is enough wood in the house of God to offer sacrifices. There is enough this, enough that. And they, they even consecrated their firstborn to the Lord. What? How serious they were. They honour the house of God. And this is encapsulated and, and summarised by the last verse in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39. Now read with me, church. Read with me. Read with me. Are you ready down here and those of, of you in, in, in your homes? Are you ready? Read it loud. One, two, three. We will not neglect the house of God. Come on, too soft. Come on, let's read it loud. 
What? Come on, let's read it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Absolutely. But you say to me, Pastor, I don't like the church. It's imperfect. Of course it's imperfect. You think I don't know it? But it is still the body of Christ's lap. It is still the bride of Jesus' lap. Whatever you do, never, never bring to shame the church of Jesus Christ. Never. No matter how imperfect it is, it is still the body and the bride of Jesus. If you agree with me, let's give God a clap off if you do that. You know, I'm, I'm biased on this because I, 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 I'm a pastor. But I am a strong believer in a local church. And I want to believe. I want every church, even watching from other churches, can I encourage you? Build your church. Build the church of Jesus Christ in Malaysia so that we are strong, understand? Because I sincerely believe that a church got to be strong. A, only a strong church can help those who are weak. Don't you think so? If you are weak, how to help? You need help, ma. Only a healthy church can help those who are sick. Am I right? If you are sick, how to help the sick? That's why we must build a strong, excellent, dynamic church that will influence the nation, impact generations. That's our vision statement. Come on, let's give God a trap offering. Amen. Come on, I want you to read this with me, church. Those of you from SIBKL, whether you're here physically or online, come on, let's remind ourselves that God has brought you here in this church, maybe from other churches or, you're, you're, or, you're, or you were born again here. Come on, God has brought us together in this season, in this time of our nation's history so that we can be strong. Amen? Come on, let's read this, this one more time. Shall we do that? Every one of you. Now, this, read this the loudest. Shall we do that? All right. Are you ready? Those in the balcony as well. One, two, three. You are inspired by God to build a strong, excellent, and dynamic church to influence the nations and... Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. He deserves the highest praise. And let me close. Thank you so much for the musicians that are on the stage. In the last five minutes or so, let me share with you from my heart. It's not that I'm not sharing with you from my heart. I just want to... Get away from the script. I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to say to your church? Nehemiah is about building. What is it that you want me to say to your people? What must they build in their lives? to build three things. To build essentially three things in your life or whatever remains of it. Number one, build your faith. Build your faith. I can't do it for you. Listening to a sermon once a week is not enough. You've got to carry on reading the Word. You have to intentionally say, I'm serious, Lord. Yes, I want to. 
I'm sick and tired of the mundane and the mediocre. I'm sick and tired to the level of spirituality that I have been in the last 10, 20 years. I want to move on. Build it up. Will you do it? So that when the next storm comes, I don't know how severe it is, you are able to stand, my friend. You're able to stand. Build your faith. Secondly, build the house of God. All things said and done, imperfect though it may be, it's still the house of God. Build it. And I don't say this with any tongue in my cheek. When I gave up my medical profession 21 years ago, the reason why I did it is because I love the house of God. I love this house. You know, 2003, my, my dad passed away of prostatic cancer. In the last few months of his life, I remember I, I would go to see him every morning before I went to work, maybe half an hour or thereabouts, just to pray for him, pray with him. And every time he would say to me, Chi, Achi, he calls me by that name, House Church. And, and that's what he will say to me. Even though he has asked me the same question yesterday, you know what I mean? How's church? And at that time, I, I went full-time in 1999. Four years after I went full-time, we were, we were doing well, but we were smallish. There were issues and problems. Worked very hard. And so I couldn't tell him much about church. So he asked me, because I know he's so proud of me, you see. He passed away. And over the last so many years now, he did not live long enough to see that his son did not do that badly, you know. That as I be careless what it is today because of the goodness and the blessing of God and the favour of God is in the house. And when I see him in heaven one day, he probably asked me the same question. Son, how's church? And I've got a lot to tell him. Build a house. Build a legacy. The third thing the Lord says, tell my people to build a godly legacy. Leave something behind, not your wealth only. No. Build something that will last for eternity. Deposit godliness. You know, when I enter heaven, and let me explain it clearer, so there is no second guessing, I want to enter heaven empty, yet full. Let me explain. What I want to do is I want to empty myself of everything that I can give to God that is in my disposal. Empty it. Empty of what? For me, 
I want to empty myself of all the sermons I can preach. Empty of all the words of exaltation. All the things that the Lord has revealed to me in His Word. I can teach, you see. So I want to do that. I, if, if I were a musician, I'm, I'm not. If, if, if I were musically inclined, I want to empty myself of all the songs that I can compose to honor and glorify my God. I want to empty myself of all the music. I want to empty myself of all the acts of kindness I can give to the, and support the sick, the marginalized, people whom I can help. Why do I want to keep it? My time, my talents and so on. I want to empty myself of all the acts of service that I can give in the house of God. I want to empty myself if I were a, a young upstart, a young skin tight tight, skin tight tight. Alright, you're young, you're skin tight. I'm not skin tight. That you have creative ideas. You have innovation. You, you want to start something, do it for God, my friend. Do it for God. Empty yourself of all your creativity. Will you do that? So that when I enter heaven, I'm full. Empty. Get full. Full of joy. Full of a sense that, Lord, yes, Lord, I give it all for you. I gave it all for you, Lord. I gave it all for you. I gave my best shot for you. Will you do that? You know, many of you and many of us have, have messed up big time, you know. Messed up big time. We have allowed time to take over us. You know, there are many things that you, you can do again. Can I encourage you? you? You can buy another car. You can buy another house. You can start another project. You, you can do another job, whatever it is. But there is one thing that you have lost. You cannot get it back. That's time. You cannot get back lost time. Every other thing, you can get it back. One. Even your wealth, you can get it back. Don't you think so? You work hard enough, you can. Life is a time event. It's a time event. There's a start and there is a finish. It doesn't depend on you. It's a time event. So why waste time? Why squander your time? Use it, my friend, for the glory of Hallelujah, Lord. You know, Nehemiah was an ordinary person, you know. An ordinary marketplace person. Doing an ordinary job and yet he heard the call of God, gave his life and he did extraordinary things. Hallelujah, my friend. Let not Nehemiah be the only, not, not the only builder. Let us build again. Build up your faith. Build a house. Build his kingdom. Build a legacy. Let's pray.
pray, my friend. Let's pray. I've spoken enough. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Oh, Ramanda kata da 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 da. Shukuria da kata. Let's pray in tongues, my friend. Pray in spirit, man. Oh, Ramanda kata da 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 da. Can you stand? Stand up with me, my friend. Stand up with me. Let's pray the spirit, man. Can you all stand with me? Come on, let's respond in our spirit, man. In the closing moments of even this morning. Let's respond to the word of God that has spoken. I don't know how He has spoken to you, but don't just take it lightly, my friend. This is the house of God. This is the work of the kingdom. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Doesn't it important to you? Does it not matter to you? Oh, Riarakatara! Come on, respond to the Lord in your spirit. Oh, Hallelujah! Pray in your tongue. Pray in your spirit, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, those of you who have gone cold, I encourage you to come back to God big time. Recommit your life again to God. You have still many more years ahead of you. Don't squander it away doing nothing. For heaven's sake, serve the Lord. Love Him. Love Him. Love Him. Love Him, my friend. Love Him. I always say, if you take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. Amen. If you take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. He will never shortchange you. He will never shortchange you. Come on, let's touch your hands to the Lord. Oh, come on, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, wherever you are, pray in the Spirit, man. If you don't know how to pray the Spirit, pray with words then. Pray with words. But whatever it is, just pray with Him. Pray to the Lord. Rededicate your life again to Him. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, let our hearts burn again inside of us. Yes, Lord, we might sow in tears, but we will reap with joy one day. We will reap with joy, Father, from rubble to revival, from revival to reformation. Hallelujah. From ruin to recovery. Yes, Lord, you will do it, Lord. You will be restored. We will be restored once again. We will be restored once again, Father Lord. Just pray for another minute or so. Come on, pray in your spirit, man. Respond to Him, not to me. Don't look at me, church. Look at the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Wherever you are, you want to close your eyes. One on one, commune with the Lord. Commune with the Lord. The Lord wants to commune with you. The Lord wants to not only say things to you, but earth it, embed it in your spirit, man, so that your life is transformed from this day onwards, that you take God seriously. Oh, Ramanda, let's sing this song as we close. Wherever you are standing, whether here or in your home, or wherever you're doing, will you consecrate your life back again to God one more time? No matter what has happened or transpired, Sincerely and genuinely seek the face of God for your life, for your family, for your future. Wow. Will you do that, my friend?
to the closing minutes, I'm going to give you some time before I close. I feel the anointing of God very strong in the house. God is here. And God is also with you in your homes because He transcends space. God is with you. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. And so, Father, we dedicate our lives afresh to you one more time. We hear your call again. We hear your call one more time. It's a sweet, gentle voice of the Lord. Yes, Lord, we confess that over the years, so many things have come in and blunted and dulled that call, and we have taken you for granted. But today, we hear your call. Once again, and we say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Grace upon grace. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And now, may God bless you and keep you this day. May the good Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face, His loving.